0: Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. We are one movement, one people, one family, and one glorious nation under God. And together, we will make... America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. Well, hi, friends. Pro-life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life, one of the world's largest pro-life organizations. And we will make America great again, thanks to you, people like you, people like those that gather with us each weeknight for this program, Praying for America. We'll do it thanks to the prayers that we Offer the power of those prayers. We'll do it thanks to the alerting of our fellow citizens to what is going on in America. And we'll thank we'll do it thanks to some dynamics going on in this election that uh, I have shared with you to some extent already, and every so often I want to go back to certain themes, develop them more in the light of what's been uh, been transpiring. And, of course, you understand these things and you're following these things, too. So hopefully our conversations will, uh, will help uh, us all to learn more and to be encouraged, really, by what's going on. So I want to share with you some ideas about the dynamics, both within the Republican primary for president and then beyond, uh, looking towards the general for, for 2024. And then comment just on some miscellaneous uh, developments in, uh, in the news. All these things are connected in one way or another. And I just want to give you some, uh, some insights and some talking points. And we'll pray over the news. That's, that's one of the things unique about this program is, uh, you know, there's a lot of good commentary out there. And we try to uh, share a lot of the, the best stuff that we hear. But praying over it, critically important. So let's go to the Word of God. Go to, go to Ephesians uh, chapter uh, 6 here. And uh, the passage about the whole armor of God, because we are in an unprecedented spiritual battle for our nation. This is not just about political uh, divides. This is about the divide between good and evil. Uh, we've commented about this at length, and more and more people are, are saying this now, that it's not just left versus right, Republican or Democrat. It's, it's good versus evil. It's, it's truth versus falsehood. It's uh, common sense versus insanity. So how do we battle this? Well, Paul says to us in the Ephesians uh, 6, starting with verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Let us pray. We thank you, Father, for the battle that we are in. Lord, it is an awesome battle. It is a battle our founding fathers took part in. It is a battle that your apostles and disciples of Christ throughout the centuries have taken part in with full awareness that we do not simply have earthly enemies and opponents, but heavenly ones, spiritual ones. And Lord God, we know that we have the tools, the weapons, the defenses. We know we have the protections. We know we have the spiritual armor that your word describes for us so well. Give us leaders who understand that this is a spiritual battle. Give us leaders, Lord God, who can address it in those terms and appeal to the believers in our nation, to inspire in them also the hope that faith brings, the confidence that faith inspires in us, that despite the current evil, we indeed will prevail, and that the greatest days of our nation are yet ahead of us. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. You know, as I'm holding this Bible, and and this uh, happens to me on on a regular basis when I'm holding it, I think of that night when President Trump held up the Bible, just like this, in front of St. John's Church that had been vandalized by arson. You remember that? The church right by the White House? That angry mob that knows nothing about, and cares nothing about America. And he stood there, with the word of God in his hands. That was one of the best, most iconic moments of his presidency, because it symbolizes something that has been true every single day of his term as president and also before and after, and will be in a second term of President Trump in the White House, standing where our founders stood on the Word of God. That doesn't mean you're creating a theocracy. That doesn't mean you want to make it illegal to be a member of one or another religion or perhaps not to have any religious faith at all, as some of our fellow Americans uh, do not have. No, that's not the point at all. It's the point that this country was founded on the recognition that we can't govern ourselves unless we know the difference between right and wrong and that this indeed gives us that standard, that standing on the word of God. By holding the scriptures that day, he made it clear that when it comes to this battle between good and evil, he is on the side of good and is on the side of those who are with the good. That when it comes to this battle between good and evil, he is on the side of those who believe and are facing forces that want to destroy faith. He is on the side of those who practice and proclaim the word of God as opposed to those who try to force us to violate our conscience or to shut up about the word of God. And he is on the side of those who have the hope that this word inspires rather than on the side of those who out of despair have abandoned the very principles that our country is founded on and no longer pretend anymore about the fact that they hate America. That's why that moment was so important. And thank you, President Trump, for for giving us that moment. Always remember, this is where our leaders need to stand. It's not the same thing as saying, it's not saying to us, uh, when your president stands there with the word of God in his hand, it's not saying to the citizens, hey, you have to believe like I do, or you have to follow my religion. No, what it's saying is, I'm going to protect your right to follow your religion. And I, too, am standing with you in faith. That's the kind of leader that we need. Now, we are facing a spiritual battle. I've traced this in many different ways for you. I want to ask a simple question here. First of all, Paul talked about the spiritual tools that we have to fight this battle between good and evil. And the first thing that comes across from that reading is not so much about the individual tools that we have, one of which is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, but it's about the fact that you have to be willing to fight. And that another, that's another key distinguishing mark that people are looking for in their leaders and that President Trump displays more clearly than anybody else that he's willing and able to take the fight to the enemy. I'm not saying, I'm not saying there are not others that are willing to fight, but he has taught... He has taught the party. He has taught the nation. He has taught believers that there needs to be a spirit of fighting here. That you don't sit back and let the enemy launch their attacks and, you know, you say nothing or you do nothing or you just, you know, oh, you know, let's be nice, let's be nice. No, no, no. No, no. You be hard on the enemy. You fight back 10 times harder than they fight at you. It's the only way that you not only survive, but advance your cause. We have to begin this to win. And he has won on multiple fronts in an historic way and will continue to win. We know that he can do the job. And you see, I talked the other night about the fact that you've got this, I was speaking about some things that Dick Morris had said recently about the, the political philosophy of fusion. And not an alliance between the left and the right, because there are irreconcilable differences, but I'm talking about certain issues like censorship by big tech or uh, you know the, the weaponization of government, certain issues on which people on the right and people on the left who might not agree on, on much else can attack a common target call it the deep state, call it whatever term you want to call it. Well, not only do you need to have a dynamic in American politics where those people are coming together, again, not in an alliance, but in a common way of voting, but also they've got to be voting for the person that they think can take on these enemies successfully. And you see, that's one of the ways that it's so difficult for President Trump's opponents to overcome his, his commanding lead in this election. Because they know he can do it because he's done it before. They know he's the one who will take the fight to the deep state and that he's their biggest nightmare. This is why they're doing all this weaponization of government. They, the last thing they want. This is a matter of survival for the people in the deep state. Survival of their enterprise, of their plans, of their goals, of their agenda of their careers in many, in many cases, because he's going to get them right out of there. He's going to drain the swamp, because now he knows the swamp even better than he did before. And he's not afraid of these people. They're afraid of him. You've got to have people both on the left and the right who understand, okay, if, we're, if we do have in many ways a common enemy, who's the one who's going to be best able and willing to take them on? That's a key dynamic here. President Trump has an unshakable base of support. There is a core, I'm part of it, most of you are part of it, that aren't going to budge because there's nothing that can convince us that he's not the one who's, who's ready and willing in an unselfish way with pure love of our nation to take these people on and to do so effectively. Because he knows even better than he did the first time, who these people are, how they operate, and what needs to be done to stop them. All right, so you've got that. And then you've got the the fact that because there's an unshakable base of support, really, the majority of uh, uh, the the Republican Party and what 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 now has, as as again, Dick Morris had pointed out, recently, you've got really, the two, the two major parties having, having morphed into four parties, okay, because with the Ma- Republicans, you've got the MAGA Republicans. There's the strong base of support uh, for President Trump. And then you've got the establishment rhinos, and then on the Democrat side you've got the the establishment there, and then you've got this movement represented by uh, RFK Jr. and and the kind of things he's saying that attract a lot of more reasonable people away from the the madness of the other side. Another issue that unites both sides is uh, hey we don't want you know mandates from the government dictating what kind of medicines we have to take. So. What does this mean for somebody who is going to oppose President Trump? Now, again, we welcome to this program and and my dealings with these issues, I welcome always with the greatest respect— Those who are supporting other candidates in the primary, absolutely. Hey, listen, that's why we have primaries. Otherwise, I mean, we wouldn't have primaries at all. We always respect the voters and their freedom to make decisions. This is part of freedom, right? It's part of what America stands for. But So don't ever think that we're, you know, looking uh, looking down uh, at you or not welcoming you here just because you are... You have come to a different conclusion about who you want to support in the primaries. No question about that in the least, any kind of lack of respect there at all. Uh, But from my perspective, what I'm pointing out and the perspective of many people is well, what are some of the dynamics here for us to understand? And one of them is that, and, and I think a lot of these candidates are finding this out, is that you can't take a swing directly at President Trump politically and expect to succeed in getting the kind of votes you need from the very base whose leader you're, you're attacking. That doesn't work, especially because President Trump doesn't just sit back and take the attacks. You're going to be in for you know, an avalanche of getting a dose of, of, of your own medicine. And, and, and that has been proven time and time again. So you know, if somebody's smart enough to realize that, then um, they're going to look at this and they're going to say, okay, well, I got to go about this a different way. Okay. Now, some of them end up swiping at, not Trump directly, but at his voter base. Well, that's just as bad. Because if you're going to offend them, these are the very people you're trying to win over to yourself. So that doesn't quite work either. It's an immovable base. And let me talk a little bit about the... The immovability of it. And then I want to talk about what uh, is really the, the only way that you could go about this. And I think that uh, there's one candidate in particular that's doing this. We'll get to that in a second. The immovability of the base of support comes in, and not just because of the, the things that President Trump does and says, and again, this, I mean, what he has done for people of faith. And, you know. And he made some great comments. I was with him for a couple of recent events. I'll be with him again this weekend for the... Hey, how many of you are going, by the way, to the Turning Point USA conference this weekend? I'll be there. I'll be looking for you. President Trump will be there. Uh, let's connect. I, I will be networking with everybody. Uh, at every possible moment of that conference, Turning Point USA in West Palm Beach. Let's connect. Let's say hello. Let me know that you watch the program. Uh, we have a lineup of uh, who's who in the in the MAGA movement and and just a great lineup of here and others too that are not in the MAGA movement but but who are uh, uh, sharing our values. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, Charlie Kirk and Turning Point USA. Done a great job, so it's the it's the turning point action conference. I don't know if it's been completely sold out. It very well might be by now, but TP Action is the uh, website you might want to check it out. Maybe there's still some tickets available. TP Action on the on online. Uh, so I'm going to see you there, and 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 you know we're gonna we're gonna have a great uh, a great and a tremendous weekend. Uh, but the point I'm making here is 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 this: it's not only because of the great things that he says and he does. And the great accomplishments, historic accomplishments, and the way he's able to connect with voters and talk directly to them and let them know that he's, he's with, with them, with us, uh, understands the things the way that we do and loves the country the way that we do. But it's also because of the type of opposition that has been launched against him. See, I don't know that the other side is, are they really so dumb that, and I'm talking about the, the radical Democrat side of this equation. Do they really think it's going to do any good to continue to weaponize government against President Trump? Do they they really think this is going to do them any good? Because as, as Dan Bongino and others have pointed out, if you want to harm somebody politically, the last thing you want to do is reinforce what people already think about them, that they're Correct. In other words, President Trump has established himself as the anti-deep state warrior. And he has pointed out, before most people even realize that there is such a thing as a deep state, and some people ridiculed the idea, he said, no, it's, it's real, and they hate America. And all that has happened since then is that the deep state has made it clear to America that they exist. And they've shown their true colors and those colors have been exactly what President Trump has been describing all along. And they've shown their true colors against him, bringing up absolutely baseless allegations, twisting the law into a pretzel to cover things it was never meant intended to cover, making things up out of thin air and, and, and getting together political opponents to say their amen to completely fabricated nonsense. That's that's how the deep state operates. And people are looking at this and they're saying every time he's attacked, every time he's indicted, every time some fake hoax is is spewed by the fake news media or, or some new investigation, fake investigation, unconstitutional proceedings are launched, it's like, hey, see, he was right. So you're not harming him politically, you're reinforcing him politically. These guys are stupid. Absolutely. Do they? Do they? Do they not see that this just increases the support that he has? And that's why the poll numbers they rise. You bring on the indictment, and the poll numbers rise. All right. It's reinforcing what he's been saying. You want to harm somebody politically? You want to introduce some kind of new view of that person that the supporters didn't have before to show them that this is not the person that you thought he was. It's not working that way at all. This is why these attacks don't work. So attacking him with the weaponization of law doesn't work. Attacking him directly doesn't work because you're going to get it 10 times worse put back onto you. And attacking his voters doesn't work because, for goodness sake, those are the people that you want to be on your side if you're opposing President Trump. So what's left? What strategy is left after that? strategy that's left after that is that you praise President Trump. You attack the same targets that he attacks. That's, Vivek is doing that, Ramaswamy. Don't don't put put yourself out there as President Trump's uh, 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 enemy or opponent or critic, attack the same targets, tie into the same things that the voters are tying into. Now, here's my position. Nobody does it better than President Trump. So if you're trying to attack the same targets and you want to convince people that we've got to destroy those targets, we've got to destroy the deep state, we've got to stop big tech censorship, we've got to defend life, we've got to defend our our borders, we've got to make America great... The fact of the matter is, yeah, you'll do better if you show the voters, hey, you know what? President Trump and I are exactly on the same track. We're on the same page. Well, then why would you want the man himself? He's still available. He's ready to do the job that we already know he can do. What, what, so, so why would you want – if you're saying that, yeah, this man is hitting the right targets, is doing the right thing, he's setting the right vision. Well, you get the man himself. Instead of a disciple, and we're not saying anything bad about the disciples, so to speak, uh, 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 that are on the same page that want to implement the same game plan. But you got the man himself. So this is the challenge. All I'm doing for you here, friends, is pointing out to you the challenge that his challengers have. And pointing out to you why I take the position that I take of of being... I've, I've been supporting him for re-election all along ever since uh, the, before the first term so yes uh, and and I think that this is and, and not only that but you know with these more indictments and Dick Morris points this out and pointing it out for very clearly for a long time with one of these indictments that that happen President Trump first of all dominates the news cycle it's hard for these other candidates even to get a word in edgewise he dominates the news cycle And what is the news? Well, here's the issue, folks. Here's the issue, America. Either he's guilty or he's innocent. Right? I mean, convene these grand juries. Now, again, they're twisting the law. uh, And if we have time, I'll just give you one concrete example here that I want to make sure you uh, understand. I'm sure you do. And the question becomes, well, either he's guilty or he's innocent. Either he's guilty or he has been the biggest victim of the very thing he is railing against. Yeah, that's, again, a challenge of those who want to say, well, I'm attacking the same targets he is. Well, yeah, but the target you're attacking and the people you're opposing have no bigger target themselves than President Trump. So he can speak with most, with the most authority, with the most experience and with the most force because he's the one bearing the brunt of the attacks. Now, he knows he's not, he's not the only one being attacked. His followers, his supporters are as well. But the point is, he's the, 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 he's the tip of the spear. And, and, and so you get, you get the phenomenon then of, well, if the question is either he's guilty or he's innocent, well, then either you oppose him, or you got to rally around him if you're going to rally around the very concept of, of American freedom and constitutional rule of law. Because... It's the Constitution that's being shredded here. It's the law that's being twisted into a pretzel. If you have any respect for the way our government is supposed to function, you don't want it hijacked by some kind of communist uh, uh, methodology here. Where you go after your political opponents with the force of law. That, that, that's not American. That happens in these, uh, these, these banana republics. That happens in these, these uh, communist dictatorships. You punish your political enemies. Oh, show me the, the, the man and I'll find you the crime. We don't go in search of people, uh, after people in search of crimes. That's what's happening here so clearly with President Trump. They're going after a person, a political opponent, and trying to find a crime. Let's see what sticks. Let's distort the law in every way we possibly can and let's see what sticks. You don't go after a person in search of a crime. In America, we go after crimes in search of a person. You have an undisputed crime clearly that has violated the law, and then you find out who did it. This is the opposite of that. This turns constitutional law on its head. Read Alan Dershowitz's book, Get Trump. I'm sure many of you have read it. If not, Look out for it. Get Trump. One of the ways that this is kind of, I'm going to finish up here with prayer, the crime fraud exception in this whole documents case, which is nonsense from square one. You know, it's not the Espionage Act that covers this. It's the Presidential Records Act, which is, doesn't even have criminal provisions. It's a civil act. And the and, and disagreements between the president, a, 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 a president who's finishing his term, or has just finished it, and the National Archives uh, uh, and the and the, uh, um, the 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 any kind of disputes and disputes always arise there with the, with the president, which documents uh, he's supposed to have or not, and he has full discretion uh are, are are worked out by negotiation Not worked out by imposition of threats of criminal punishment but what's happening here too is his attorney is being told that he has to say he has to reveal what president trump discussed with him about the documents now this violates attorney-client privilege now a, the supreme court has always strongly protected attorney-client privilege you have an attorney. Maybe you're in trouble. Maybe you're being accused of being in trouble, but you didn't do anything wrong. You have to be able to speak freely to your attorney. Now, I know this having uh, served for, uh, uh, what, 35 years now as a, as a Catholic priest here in confessions and whatnot. I know how this works between priest and, and penitent. There's, there's, the, there's what's called the seal of confession. It's just—it's like attorney-client privilege. In fact, it's even more absolute. There is no circumstance whatsoever in, under which a priest can reveal what he heard from a penitent in confession because the only way he's privileged to have that knowledge in the first place is to be able to bring that person who's repenting of those sins the forgiveness of God and any wise counsel or guidance that he can give based on the word of God. So the point is that there, do we understand this kind of zone of, of professional... Um, privacy and the reason for it you have to be able to speak with absolute freedom the person who's seeking god's forgiveness for a sin has got to be able to speak absolutely like an open book and reveal the 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 that no matter how horrifying the depths of that sin might be similarly in the law attorney client my goodness if you you have to get somebody to navigate you through the requirements of the law and and hopefully to avoid a guilty verdict in a trial or to avoid a a prison time. You're going to want to get straight with that person who's guiding you exactly what happened. You can't be looking over your shoulder or second-guessing yourself every time you say something to your attorney as to whether or not that's going to become public eventually. You've got to be, you can't have anything hindering your, 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 your freedom to speak what you need to say. What this is doing. In President Trump's case, by, 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 with them trying to force the attorney to reveal things that were said in that context, hurts us all. It, it erodes trust in the attorney-client privilege. Because all, all a person has to say, oh, so if my political enemies come after, after me, they're going to force my attorney to reveal things. Maybe I better not say anything. Well, then, then then how do you get the right kind of guidance that you need? So there is an exception here, the crime-fraud exception. But they're, again, they're stretching it beyond recognition. In other words, if, if you're, you go to your attorney, oh, yeah, I committed this crime. Hey, you know what? I'm intending to commit it again. Let's talk about that. You, you can't be using your attorney to help you commit the crime again. So there's a certain exception here, limited exception, where, of course, the attorney can reveal those things. But in this case, there was no, This all hypothetical. There was no crime that he did. So you can't well, – the other side doesn't care, of course, about what these laws do or don't mean, what these exceptions do or don't mean, or how they've been treated in the past. The Supreme Court, just like it has strongly protected attorney-client privilege, has also uh, strongly limited this exception to attorney-client privilege. We can't allow that, to, that gap to start opening up, that, that, that whole – that, that that exception to start swallowing the rule because again then it becomes ineffective for every American citizen who needs the, the help we have a constitutional right to uh, that kind of help of an attorney okay enough on that you know we've, we've got to be we've got just put it in the broad perspective of we got to see that this is weaponization of government this is communist style persecution of political enemies this is not American and you know what Keep doing it against President Trump. You're only going to make his support stronger. And again, like, like, like Dick Morris says, if the issue before the American people is either he's guilty or he's innocent, if you think he's innocent and, he, and government has been weaponized against him, are you then going to go on and say, well, yeah, you know, I think he's innocent, and uh, you know, but I'm going to oppose him anyway? There's not, it's very hard to take that kind of a stand. It's very hard to take that kind of stand, and this is one of the reasons why even people who will disagree in many ways with President Trump come to a point where they have to say, you know, this has gone too far, and if we're going to hold together as a constitutional republic, then we've got to we got to stick with this uh, with this man, and with this movement that he leads. Let's turn to prayer. So, Lord, we have seen. We have seen so many. Dynamics in this election that continues to unfold in a, in a truly unprecedented way with this greatest movement in American political history led by one of the most unlikely leaders as we look back on our recent history. So many who just declared so confidently that he could never win in the first place were proven so wrong. And that his leadership, not only, it would have been amazing enough had he just been elected to the presidency, but then to have such an amazing presidency and a list of accomplishments that were historic makes it all the more amazing. And those accomplishments would have been amazing enough. But then you add on top of that the unprecedented kind of persecution and opposition he and his team faced while carrying out those accomplishments Success in that environment would have been amazing enough in itself. And add on top of that, the China virus and the shutdown of the country and the whole world, and yet being able to achieve things even in the midst of that and bring our country out of that that downward spiral. Lord, we have seen amazing things right before our eyes. Enable our fellow citizens to recognize a moment of greatness when it is staring them in the face. Forgive, Lord God, those who are willingly blind. Forgive, Lord God, those who oppose President Trump precisely because they oppose America. Lord, we uphold the freedom of voters to support whom they want to support. But enlighten those who oppose him because they oppose america itself because they oppose lord god your word that he courageously held up to show his solidarity with believers lord we face spiritual enemies here enable our fellow citizens to understand the political battles that are going on as manifestations of a deeper spiritual battle enable us to see lord god that It is the weapons of the spirit that we must use, not weapons of hatred, oppression, weaponization. No, weapons of truth, of standing with justice, and of fighting those who want to suppress freedom, especially freedom of speech and freedom of religion, opposing those who want to suppress life itself by... Supporting the killing of the most vulnerable human beings is not an accident that these children are killed. It's deliberately planned, scheduled, and paid for, often by taxpayer dollars. And so we ask you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would enlighten us in you, breathe onto us afresh, and raise us from the dead. Where our country is in decline, as President Trump points out, not in a spirit of despair, by no means, but in a spirit of rallying our nation to rise up and defend our values, we ask you, Lord God, that you you give everyone that spirit of fighting against these spiritual opponents and of truly embracing the freedom, the God-given rights, the the unalienable rights, the self-evident truths, On which our country was founded we ask all this through jesus christ who is the one lord and savior of this country and we pray now in the words he gave us our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, thanks for joining me. I hope these reflections are helpful for you. And the prayers, let's continue the prayers. Uh, Let's connect on social media. I am at frfrankpavone on all the major platforms, starting with Truth Social, at frfrankpavone. Follow Right Side Broadcasting as well, which uh, we're grateful for our partnership in airing these programs and The Getter also airing these programs. Uh, thanks, friends. Uh, we will talk to you again tomorrow. Please spread the word about this program. Let's continue to enlarge our online audience, and let's continue to make America great. God bless you all. I am pro-life leader Frank Pavone of Priests for Life. I want to be a fireman and I go up. I want to be a teacher. I want to be president of the United States. I want to find a cure for cancer. The choice to have an abortion alters the course of the future. Please remember, where there's life, there's hope. A message from Priests for Life. Hello, this is Father David Begany, one of the many members of Priests for Life. This organization is one of the largest and most visible pro-life ministries in the world. The Priests for Life team relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priests for Life generously? Go today to ProLifeGift.org and give us as generous a gift as you can. Thank you for your kindness and be assured of our prayers for you every day. Priests for Life Saving lives for over 30 years. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.